Hi, my name is Morris Scott, and welcome to another episode of A Father's Devotion. Today, we will be exploring highlights from the book of Song of Solomon. First, let's commit our time to the Lord. Father, we just thank you that your word is practical. Thank you that your word is relevant, empowering, and life-giving. We pray that you would just release your grace into our lives as we explore yet another book of the Bible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, Song of Solomon. Uh, the Hebrew title is the Song of Songs, meaning the best of songs. Uh, the author uh, is Solomon. This book is dated around 965 BC. Uh, many interpret this book uh, in a strictly allegorical manner with uh, fictional characters to show the truth of God's love for his people. However, the book is rightly to be understood as a historical account uh, between a Shulamite maiden uh, and Solomon. In this book, uh, we will see various conversations uh, some will be by the Shulamite maiden to herself. Uh, some will be by the daughters of Jerusalem uh, to the king. Some will be by Solomon to the Shulamite maiden. Some will be by the Shulamite maiden to Solomon. Uh, the book is all about love. It's all about passion. Uh, a biblical scholar named Charles Ryrie uh, outlines the book as showing certain stages, namely courtship, procession for marriage, consummation of the marriage, a sober view of the relationship slash marriage, a deepening of the marriage, and ultimately maturity of the love, maturity of the marriage. Now, some scholars have viewed this book as representing or showing the relationship between the church and Christ. Some may consider this problematic uh, because of Solomon's imperfections and deficiencies. But we also have to realize that God does reserve the right to use imperfect people to teach about his perfect law and his infallible, inerrant truth. Uh, we also see in the book the value of marriage uh, in an age in which people are rejecting marriage outright uh, or adopting a corrupt view of it. Uh, the book shows certain virtues of the love that God created to be in the context of marriage, marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, we must understand that love and marriage is good. Uh, people are bad. But marriage is good. We also see, again, the relationship here is uh, a heterosexual one. Uh, when the Bible describes conjugal or marital relationships all throughout the grand narrative of the Bible, it is always described as heterosexual. Uh, we also see the principles of monogamous relationship. Again, Solomon was not the perfect example of this. First Kings uh, chapter 11, verse one. However, this book describes the love between one woman and one man. We also see here the principle that the Bible is concerned with issues of love for God created human love, uh, that the Bible is concerned with uh, issues of sexual attraction, uh, issues of sexual intimacy, uh, because God created human sexual intimacy and therefore God can strengthen it. God can fix it. The principles of sexual intimacy are not beyond the reach of sacred scripture. For sexual intimacy is holy. Uh, so, you know, it, it's not good night. God will see you in the morning, but God must be involved in every uh, facet of our lives. Again, if we really want to know the earth shaking reality, the earth shaking truth, godly principles actually enhance sexual intimacy. Principles like unselfishness, passion, uh, commitment, uh, security, etc., uh, as we will see. Uh, we also see the principle that the Bible is concerned with issues of commitment in marriage, uh, issues of the deepening of marriage, especially as couples go through circumstances, issues in the maturity of a marriage. Uh, for example, what happens as the couple grows older and through the different stages of life and the changes in these stages and how they actually deal with those changes. 
Yes, deepening and maturity of relationships. These are important concepts. As a plant grows, there are roots that grow that are unseen by any human eye. Uh, it's below the ground. And so must relationships deepen in ways not visible to anyone but the two involved. Uh, it doesn't have to be uh, broadcasted to the world. It doesn't have to be posted on social media. And then we see in the fullness of time that the maturity is seen above the ground. It's visible to everyone. Uh, this is the same with buildings, uh, which have foundations that are often many stories deep into the ground, although people only see and enjoy the structure above the ground. Uh, so the question is, what is your relationship like? Uh, what's your marriage like? Uh, does it have depth? Does it have maturity? Okay, so let's jump right into the highlights. The first one we're going to look at is the first chapter of Song of Solomon. We're going to read verses 1 through 2 and 5 through 7. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. I am dark but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not look upon me because I am dark, because the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me, O you whom I love, will you feed your flock, will you make it rest at noon? For why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions. So here we see the naming of Solomon, which is believed to be the proof of his authorship of this book, although some see his name as indicating uh, the mere subject matter of the book. Uh, in verse two, the book jumps immediately into uh, a passionate description of love by the Shulamite maiden, uh, a kiss. Uh, it also describes love as better than wine. Look, we live in a world filled with abuse of love, adulterated conceptions of love. Many have been hurt by love. We must understand that God made human love to be good, and it is good. People, fallen people, are bad, but love is good. Uh, we also must understand that since God is the creator of human love, the enemy of our soul will only bring counterfeit versions of God's true love. We must reject those counterfeit versions no matter how real they seem. Uh, in verse 5 and 6, we see the maiden's reference uh, to her being dark. She was conscious because of her darkened skin uh, from working in the sun, most probably as compared uh, to others. This is descriptive of her concern and not a biblical principle concern concerning uh, any negative connotation of the pigment of skin. Uh, as we know, God created man and God loves every man and is concerned about the inner core, the hearts of his people and not what color skin they have. First Samuel 16, 7 and Numbers 12, 1 through 16. In verse 7, we see that the maiden wants to make it clear that she is not one of those loose women or prostitutes following after any man, but loves one man, Solomon. Uh, this emphasizes the value and the virtue of the monogamous relationship between one man and one woman. Again, Solomon was not the perfect example of this, uh, but the word of God sets forth monogamy as virtuous and godly. See also Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, Matthew 19, verse 5, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, and Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18. Let's move to our next highlight, the second chapter. We're going to be reading from verse 1 through 4, 6 through 7, and 15. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down in his shade with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. 
His left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field. Do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Catch us, the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. We see here the maiden speaking in verse 1 uh, and Solomon speaking in verse 2. Uh, we see a reference uh, to the rose of Sharon and lily of the valleys. These are most probably the indications of the rarity in beauty and the unparalleled beauty of the maiden. Look, it's okay and godly uh, to acknowledge and praise the beauty of one with whom you're in a relationship. Uh, this only strengthens the relationship. There's nothing wrong with that. Remember, God created beauty. When beauty is in godly parameters, it is a wonderful thing. Uh, the world adulterates beauty. The godly honor beauty. In verse 3, we see a reference by the maiden uh, to being under Solomon's shadow, which has indications of protection found in love. Listen, love protects. Love does not leave the other person exposed to harm. In verse 4, we see the treasures and fullness of love. We see the proactive initiative of the man in the courtship process. In verse 6, we see descriptions of intimacy. Verse 7 shows the preference of the maiden uh, that her love develop naturally, gradually, and in the fullness of time, and not prematurely or forced. Listen, if you're in the courtship process or dating process, let things develop naturally. Do not allow people to force your relationship into a stage that it is not yet in. Do not allow the other person to force your relationship to be in a stage that it is not yet in. Proceed prayerfully and by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit is involved in relationships. The Holy Spirit is the one that leads and guides into all truth. John 16, 13 through 15. Uh, so for the Christian, relationships are not gambles or chance undertakings. There is the Holy Spirit that sees the things that are invisible to people. If this Holy Spirit is indwelling inside of you, he will guide you if you will listen. Verse 15 shows that there are spoilers out there that can ruin relationships. Sometimes the spoilers come from without in the form of people who interfere in relationships. Look, there must be boundaries set to rebuke such interferences regardless of who they come from. That's part of protecting the relationship. But also, the spoilers can come from within. Sometimes there are issues, deficiencies, shadows, and unconfessed sin areas within the hearts of the two involved in the relationship that can ruin the relationship as well. However small these issues are, they should be dealt with as well. And the consolation is that God's word has the ability to search out, identify, and eradicate the things that are harmful. Hebrews 4 uh, verses 12 through 13 and Psalm 139 verses 23 through 24. Let's move on to chapter three. We're going to read from verse one through four. By night on my bed, I sought the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. I will rise now, I said, and go about the city in the streets and in the squares. I will seek the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. The watchmen who go about the city found me. I said, have you seen the one I love? Scarcely had I passed by them when I found the one I love. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him to the house of my mother and into the chamber of her who conceived me. So here we see what most probably is a dream by the maiden before uh, she was married uh, to Solomon. Uh, she fears in this dream that she has lost Solomon. So listen, if you are courting someone 
or dating someone, uh, you must understand that your lives are in God's hands. What God has determined to be for you will be for you. You can rest in God. Don't fear losing the relationship. God is able to bring to fruition and manifestation uh, the love he kindles in your hearts. But make sure you don't leave God out of the relationship. Pray and acknowledge God and he will direct your path. Proverbs 3 verse 6. The text proceeds with more passion, desire, and belonging. Uh, The rest of the chapter describes the procession. Uh, This would be leading to marriage since chapter 4, as we will see, describes the two as married. Let's move then to chapter 4. We're going to be reading from verse 1 through verse 12. Behold, you are fear, my love. Behold, you are fear. You have dove's eyes behind your veil. Uh, Your hair is like a flock of goats going down from Mount Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn sheep which have come up from the washing, every one of which bears twins, and none is barren among them. Your lips are like a strand of scarlet, and your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like a piece of pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built for an armory, on which hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle, which feed among the lilies. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee away, I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. You are all fear, my love, and there is no spot in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse. Uh, With me from Lebanon, look from the top of Amana, from the top of Sinair and Hermon, from the lion's den, from the mountains of the leopards. You have ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. Uh, You have ravished my heart. With one look of your eyes, with one link of your necklace. How fair is your love, my sister, my spouse. How much better uh, than wine is your love, and the scent of your perfumes than all spices. Your lips, O my spouse, drip as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under your tongue, and the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. So this chapter describes marriage. Um, Solomon describes his bride. Notice the attention to detail when one is passionate about someone or even something. He describes her teeth, her lips, her neck, even her breasts. In verses 8 and following, we see clear references to spouses. Notice the use of the word sister. This doesn't mean that there was any type of incestuous relationship. This word was used as a term of endearment. So we see that the love uh, was leading up to marriage and did arrive at marriage. Biblical relationships are not casual relationships uh, just for fun and selfish pleasure. When you're dealing with people's emotions, this is very important, and people's dependence and people's commitment and even people's esteem level, it is a dangerous thing to treat it casually or just for selfish pleasure. People can be hurt and scarred for life. People's emotions and feelings must be treated very carefully. Let's move to our next highlight, chapter 5. We're going to be reading from verse 2 through 5, verse 6, and then verses 10 through 16. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh. 
my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and was gone. My beloved is white and ruddy, a chief among ten thousand. His head is like the finest gold. His locks are wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are like a bed of spices, banks of scented herbs. His lips are lilies, dripping liquid myrrh. His hands are rods of gold, set with beryl. His body is carved ivory, inlaid with sapphires. His legs are pillars of marble, set on bases of fine gold. His countenance is like Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. Yes, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. So here we see uh, the period after the wedding. We see the sober reality of life setting in. Uh, in what may be a dream uh, where Solomon knocks, uh, she is slow to respond. And by the time that she does, uh, he has turned away. Often in relationships, it takes time uh, for the two to get to know each other and to understand the timing of each other. Uh, when you combine the issues of work, emotions, uh, eventually children and also health issues, there can be times when one spouse wants to talk and the other does not, uh, where one spouse wants to go out uh, to a social function and the other does not. And of course, when one spouse is ready for sexual intimacy and the other is not. Again, this is where the biblical principle of unselfish love comes into play. As both partners are reading and being impacted by the same word of God and the same Holy Spirit, they will each think of the other and have tender hearts toward the plight and condition of each other. These are the rules of the game for the Christian who is married. We see in verse eight indications that the maiden uh, does not give up, uh, but maintains her love for Solomon and desires to find him. In the rest of the chapter, the maiden describes her husband as white and ruddy uh, and his locks as black, his eyes, his cheeks, his hands, his legs, and even his mouth. Notice the attraction. Notice the attention to detail when passion is involved. Uh, notice in verse 16 that he is described both as a lover and a friend. It's important for friendship to exist in addition to sexual intimacy. A friend will sit and talk. A friend will listen. A friend will sharpen the other person. A friend will tell you the tough truths that you may not want to hear. A friend will stay and remain even through tough times. A friend will care for you. Let's move to the sixth chapter. We're going to be reading from verse three to four. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He feeds his flock among the lilies. Oh, my love, you are as beautiful as Tirzah, lovely as Jerusalem, awesome as an army with banners. So here we see themes of belonging, security uh, that is found in marriage. We see the themes of beauty and the recognition thereof. It's important that each spouse recognize the beauty of his or her spouse uh, and also verbalize it. Uh, there is no such thing as, well, you know that I love you. I don't have to say it. No, uh, say it. Enforce it with your words. A man should not be telling other women how beautiful they look while ignoring his own wife. A wife should not be singing the praises of other men while ignoring her own husband. Let's move to chapter seven. We're going to be reading from verse one through verse 10. How beautiful are your feet in sandals, O prince's daughter. The curves of your thighs are like jewels, the work of the hands of a skillful workman. Your navel is a rounded goblet. It lacks no blended beverage. Your waist is a heap of wheat set about with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. 
Your neck is like an ivory tower, your eyes like the pools in Heshbon, by the gate of Bath Rabin. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon, which looks toward Damascus. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel, and the hair of your head is like purple. A king is held captive by your tresses. How fair and how pleasant you are, O love with your delights. This stature of yours is like a palm tree, and your breasts like its clusters. I said, I will go up to the palm tree. I will take hold of its branches. Let now your breast be like clusters of the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples, and the roof of your mouth like the best wine. The wine goes down smoothly for my beloved, moving gently the lips of sleepers. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. So here we see the husband describing the beauty of his wife. Notice it is not a silent, distant love. There are words. The words are not vague generalities. It is specific words describing the beauty of her feet, the joints of her thighs, the work of her hands, her navel, her two breasts, uh, her neck, her head, her hair. Look, uh, there are those who say the Bible is not in touch with real life. I don't know how much more in touch with physical love you can get than a description of passionate love that we see here. Uh, we see again uh, that God is the creator of human sexuality uh, and intimacy and even of Eros love or passionate love. Uh, notice though, uh, the Eros love is subjected to and in the parameters of agape love, that unconditional love that has been entered into by the covenant of marriage. The Eros love is subjected to and in the parameters of a lifelong commitment belonging to one person. See verse 10. Uh, after that, the Bible is saying, look, you can go all the way with Eros love, but it has to be in the parameters of the agape love, that committed love. See also Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Uh, let's move to our next highlight, chapter 8. We're going to be reading from verse uh, 6 through 7. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, uh, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. We see here the wife's words to her husband. The words are strong. The words show a matured relationship that has roots. Notice that the love and passion has not diminished as it matures and deepens. There is a seal which has the meanings and indications of authenticity and purity. Notice that the love is described as unquenchable. So the question today is, is there anything that is quenching the fire of the love between you and your spouse? Look, don't let the fire be quenched. Don't let your love be drowned. Don't let it be for sale. Look, the love that you have with your spouse is worth infinitely more than any amount of money because this love comes from God. It is special. It is from God. It is part of the witness that you carry as image bearers of God. So the stakes are very high. Maintain your marriage, which preaches a very loud gospel message. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you uh, that you are involved in every area of our lives, uh, even in the area of love, uh, passion, and sexual intimacy. Uh, we know that the enemy has sought to destroy and adulterate uh, these areas. Uh, we pray, Lord God, that you would just release your grace into our lives and into every single marriage, uh, that lives and marriages would reflect your glory, your holiness, 
and your power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.